Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Finish out the week here with point guard rankings as we look forward to doing the top 10 players in the NBA next week. Had to get this one done first. And this one, I think, is going to be pretty straightforward. It's really most of these guys are the engines of your offense. That is their role. You don't have as much specialization among point guards. I think once you get down, you know, maybe into the teens then you can start to say okay what's more valuable a guy who can run your offense at a decent level or someone who can fit in shoot play defense maybe do a little ball handling next to another ball dominant start another position which of those has more value that becomes an interesting question but at the top we're talking about the guys who are going to have the ball all the time generally bring the ball up and they're going to control things for you generally they're going to be smaller you know a lot of this to me is determined by whether they guard point guards in determining who is a point guard um i mean do do you want to go on uh some rant about primary ball handler and point guard and all that or or have we uh do we have we had enough of those i i think we've had enough of those but there there is a (laughs) there is a point there though that i will make separate from that which is that if your point guard sized player cannot run an offense then you need somebody else to do it And there absolutely are players around the league now, James Harden, LeBron James, Ben Simmons, who primarily guard other positions, who who can run an offense. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't think of Ben Simmons actually as being able to run an offense personally, but... I mean, he has the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah, maybe if you have enough shooting around him, maybe you can yeah, pull out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there is a conception where that would work. Yeah. And, and so, but basically the idea that is if you can't do that, then to me that's a pretty significant demerit. There's a parallel here a little bit with the centers that can't defend, where if you can't do it, somebody else is going to have to do it, and there aren't as many players at other sizes at other positions that can. And so it's hard to make it to a to a truly elite level without being able to be the, you know, the primary engine of a successful offense. And and also, I, I think you could make an argument, you talked about like the specializations there. I also think there's an argument that versatility matters a little bit less because these players, if you're good enough, you build your offense around them. So yeah. as long as there's something that you do really well, it doesn't matter if you could run this system or that system as long as you can do what you do well because that's just the way it works. And you brought up the offense-defense thing. I think one of the one of the kind of big-picture elements that surprised me was once uh, in the top end, it's, it's offense first. But once you get down into more the backup level, I was shocked at how many of those guys, to me, were, were better defenders than offensive players. And I think that's just kind of who's coming into the league and that those guys can stick a little bit. But there were a lot more, you know, like Alex Caruso's and whatnot. 
Yeah, and I think another distinction that I would make too here is, you know, your Avery Bradley, Carson Edwards, Langston Galloway. Some of those guys may are kind of point guard size. They may guard point guards, but to qualify as a point guard here, I think you need to at least be capable of pushing the ball up in transition, running a pick and roll here and there, at least taking on secondary ball handling duties uh, to really count as a point guard where because again what we're looking at is what position would you play on most teams what is your natural position and so you know i think there are a few that are going to be on the borderline here you know like alonzo ball is kind of there but you know he's a really good passer right passing is another big part of this as well so some ability to pass the ball push the ball in transition run a pick and roll at least get to the basket a little bit in the half court you got to have some of that to me to really you know george hill would be another one who maybe is kind of on the borderline here patrick beverly but all those guys at least have some ability to handle it and you know they may play off the ball a little bit more in the half court but they still have that ability they played point guard at the lower levels um that sort of thing Two other elements. One, we bring it up at every podcast, but it's important. The criteria here is who would you want on your team? If we imagine that a regular season, 82-game regular season started today and then had a playoffs at the end of it. So, and generally that uh, injuries, injuries that are non-permanent, non degenerative those are treated as healed so like john wall you know it's what we think john wall will be when he's this version of 100 percent wall was actually one of the hardest guys for me to square and then another thing is this won't be as relevant in the top tiers but once you get out of that then to me versatility started to matter more are you somebody that could play next to a james harden type guy or something else because then you can build these multi-guard systems something like what oklahoma city is doing right now and then being able to defend multiple positions in particular becomes more valuable. So somebody like Shea is, is a good example there, or you could you could draw in Derek White as an interesting example too. And those guys can can help more. But the most important thing in many ways, respects is can you run an offense? You think this is the deepest position? Yeah, I, I I think that it is. Even though I got I started getting a little queasy in my sixteen to twenty five tier, but there were a lot of like capable players. I thought that that was encouraging. Just how many you know guys that you could throw in your rotation, and you feel good about that. And then the high end was stronger here, I think, than almost any position. Like the top fifteen. The top seven or top eight, those are great. And then the top 15, you like, they're all guys that I'd be pretty damn happy if I was on my team. Yeah, I think the other thing too is we always say, ah, you know, there's not that many great point guards uh, out there. There's not that many quality backups. But I did get down to probably about 50 here. Yep. in the ranking in terms of players that I at least thought were like quality backups. The problem is just that some of these are concentrated on, you know, there's three or four of them on one team. And so you right. see a team like the Hawks at the start of this year having absolutely nothing at backup point guard. You know, you've got teams like the Pacers, for example, where TJ McConnell, Aaron Holiday, and Malcolm Brogdon are all three of them on the same team. So, or, or, Holiday, or Oklahoma City, where they close the game with three of three players that are in my top 50. Exactly, exactly. Uh, or, you know, I mean, Cleveland starts two point guards, basically. Uh, <laughs> At least. Both of whom, both of whom are not in my top fifty, or one of whom is Colin Sexton is. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna. I was wondering where you're gonna end up with Sexton. That that'll be interesting here. Um, all right, let's uh, take a little break and we'll get right. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015, and I think that's because my story with them 
seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us to it okay this uh this was a little hard because he basically hasn't played all year but i still have tier one number one by himself stephen curry 
I had him number one. I had him in tier one, but I did not have him by himself. Um, Damian I had, Lillard. I had Lillard there as well. And I struggled with that, but I ultimately went with Curry instead. Lillard. I mean, maybe it is just a little bit of that residual of how great his January was. It was January, right? Not February. One of those months, he was completely ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it was January. I think it was January. And Curry, though, I think the argument in favor of it is that, you know, his last full season was phenomenal. And the injury that he had was a broken bone. I mean, we we still need the, still a little bit of that que- queasiness with the nerve damage. But that those are injuries that generally give you less fear. That's, and especially when, like, you know, hand, obviously, it's important for shooting and all that, but it's not going to affect his mobility or the way he navigates screens or anything like that. So I think there was an argument for it. I just thought Lillard has been has been really has been great enough to justify it. And yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a close call. That was one of the harder decisions on my entire board. So I'm interested in what tipped it for you, because I'm assuming you were on the borderline, too. Well, Seth Curry had one of the greatest playoff series of all time against Damian Lillard's Blazers less than a year ago. That's that, true. that was that was one that came to mind, and Lillard was not able to have that kind of an impact. And, and Lillard did have a really awesome playoff series of his own against OKC earlier, but then really dropped off against Denver and the Warriors. He's still a, an extremely dangerous player, and he's capable of having these incredibly hot months, but. The reality is that Lillard, most of what he's doing is still just at the point of attack. And there are ways to deal with him a little bit more. You can trap him and get the ball out of his hands. Now, you know, he's never played on a team like the Warriors. But what maybe even what sealed it for me was just seeing Steph in his first game back, the only one that we saw him in, in before things uh, were shut down, against a really good defense, playing with a bunch of dudes he had never played with. And he still just completely unlocked the Golden State Warriors offense. And he was getting double teamed up top and pick and rolls. He would come off a screen. Two guys would go to him. Guys would cut to the basket for a dunk. It's just the fear that he creates. And and there's also just really no reason to believe that at his best, he can't be about as good as, you know, he turned 32, but the all-time greats hold on to their value generally a little bit longer. The big issue, of course, is availability. Lillard has been one of the more durable players recent groin issues aside curry has not been so much now the hand thing was a little bit more of a freak entry but he missed time with the groin last year you know he's probably you know more of a bet to play 60 or 65 games per season going forward but for me as i've talked about it with some of the other positions he is the one who's going to provide the most championships added like i think he has proven that he can be the best player on a championship team i think he played at that level last year in the playoffs despite the fact that they lost Uh, and Damian Lillard just hasn't gotten to that level yet he hasn't the same talent around him of course but that still to me I just want that high-end upside I believe Curry provides that even if you want to say hey you're going to play a regular season who would you rather have I probably would rather have Damian Lillard but if I'm trying to win a championship give me Steph Curry until further notice I agree. And so, so that was I, just I agree, so obvious to me. I agree, and that's but that's why I had them in the same tier. Is like for me, if it's like, well, you could conceivably pick the other guy in the regular season, and the the argument actually, even though I had Curry in the, in the same tier, is that both of these guys, when healthy, are good enough to get you into the playoffs. And so there's this kind of weird switch that happens when players. We, we talked about this in the small forward rankings that once you get to that level, then established playoff performance actually matters more because you're going to be there anyway. So then, who's more valuable there? But for me, Lillard, I, I think I gave a little bit more credence to the fact that he hasn't played in as as perfect a situation for him as as Curry has at various moments of time. I mean, it's now been a long time that Curry's been in the Kerr system and that he's had 
Hall of Fame surrounding talent, and CJ is is definitely very good, but the overall system hasn't been there. And I mean, Portland was a great offense, really good one last year when Lillard was on the floor. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I remember that when they had, you know, their normal complement of players. And this year, they're very good, too, when when he was out there. And they just couldn't stop anybody, but yeah. yeah. Okay, so th- so now, well, so well have- one, one more thing there too. I think Curry to me is a little bit more portable in terms of uh, playing with other great players than Lillard. Now they both shoot the ball, so it's that's not a big demerit of Lillard's. But Lillard, you mean like the activity off ball and stuff like that? Yeah, the the off ball activity. I think Steph's still a little bit better defensively, a little bit more intelligence defensively. I think they're both fantastic leaders. So that that's something that is really a wash between them. So, uh, and I did, I'm giving Willard some respect in that I'm putting him in a tier two by himself above the rest of these guys. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you is because I also didn't feel comfortable putting Willard with anyone else other right. than Curry and so it was like well, I, so that was that was another decision that I made and yeah I mean there's nothing against that okay so we have little so so that means we're squared up through two I mean other than the differentiator but the same two people in the same order I this is the hardest separation that I had to make was tier was what will be my tier two what was your tier three in terms of number and quality and for those who reminded we didn't say this at the outset if players are within the same tier, that means generally you're splitting hairs. It's a reasonable, you think there's a reasonable argument to place them in a different order. So don't focus as much on that as who is in the tier. But this tier was hard for me. Certainly ranking it, ranking within this tier was impossible. I thought there was a pretty clear delineation of five, five guys who should be in this group. I also have five. Now we'll see if they're the same five. Uh, Chris Paul is my number three. Um, and there's su- such an amalgam of, pluses and minuses for all these players um trey young was number four kemba walker number five russell westbrook number six and kyrie irving number seven that was my my group here we we do have one we do have one discrepancy um and it's it's russell westbrook i, I know we're gonna have a lot we probably have a long russell westbrook conversation over the course of this um and i have lowry in this tier as well i've just i just love kyle lowry yeah and- I, I mean that that makes sense i'm uh he was at the top of my next group but i i also think just with the the age factor uh, that concerned me a little and concerned me with paul too but i think paul's been at a higher level than lowry um and yeah i, I just i'm not sure that he i mean he's like a great like third banana um well so part of part of yeah. what i really like about lowry in, in, in this tier and it's a, it's a little bit of a weird a little bit of a weird thing to value for this type of player but i like that he, with his competitiveness defensively and that he can you know battle guys at different positions that he could fit in more places you know like that, that you can you can do those sorts of things with him that you really couldn't with some of the other guys i mean you can't with chris paul he's i mean he's a lot of what's making some of those okc crunch time lineups work and even though we make the uh, the the tiers, you know, like with the whole thing about oh, the order doesn't matter. It does hurt my heart a little bit that you have Chris Paul higher than I do. I have Paul fourth, and I and you have him third. Um, Who is your third guy? Kyrie. I. Wow. Well, I mean, he's he he's missed. What is this? Three of the last five years, he's had a season-ending injury. Yeah, now? but I mean, this is the first year that like that Chris Paul has been ab- abundantly healthy in a in a little while. I mean, he's been healthier than Kyrie in other years. But for me, the the difference with Kyrie is that is is like the idea. Okay, assuming availability is reasonable, and and it is availability does matter. Of course, I mean, it's a part of why I had Lillard in, in tier one instead of separate. 
Um, but once you're there, I just think Kyrie's ability to get his shot is so incredibly valuable. And that that's what makes him special of this group is that when thrown into the cauldron, I have more faith in him to deliver than any of the other guys there. I have less faith in him to get you there than almost everybody yeah. in this group. I, I have I have more faith in, in, uh, in Chris Paul, I would say. Um, I mean, Irving had a terrible playoffs last year. Yeah, he did. But I, I mean, and, and I think he playing with LeBron. Yeah, he looked great playing with LeBron because LeBron was the one doing all the distributing and he could just focus on shooting whenever he got the ball. Um, but I, I mean, the two things to why I had Kyrie at the bottom of this is and I mean, his stats were as good as ever this year individually, for sure. Maybe he was on pace for his best year. But number one, the health. I mean, there's a 50% chance that he's not going to finish the season, whatever. He's not even going to play for you in the playoffs. I mean, he's had essentially 2015, 2018, 2020. So three of the last six years, essentially, he's just, he's not capable of playing for you in the playoffs. I mean, that, that matters. And then when we talk about portability, like not the easiest guy to play with, like he wanted out of Cleveland. He didn't want to play with LeBron, who seems like pretty much everyone else wants to play with. And then... He wanted out of Boston as well. Now we see Kenny Atkinson get fired. I mean, presumably in part because he wasn't Kyrie's choice or Kyrie wanted someone else. Um, I, I mean, there, like it seems like a lot of places you send him, he's just going to like totally screw up your locker room. And, and like, well, it's, I, you you it's, know, I'm lower on that than anybody. But, it, but it's also like, I mean, it's not like Chris Paul has been a locker room darling. A lot of his places, Trey Young might be having similar problems right now. <laughs> You know, it's it, it, you, it, we have more of a track record with Kyrie. I, I think that's I think that's reasonable. He's also been on better teams yeah. than some. But of Chris Paul is like really competitive. Like Kyrie, like no one really seems to even like understand him. Like he's he's like a lot of times he's like not even rational. It seems like. Yeah, I, I can't factor all of that kind of stuff in necessarily. You can see it where the proof is kind of in the pudding in terms of coaches and and, and yeah. getting and getting out in, in trades and all that. But in terms of like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a tough guy to get. You know, like to me, then you're getting into like reporting. Well, I mean, and all that just kind of well, what what about like just his comments in the media that are completely insane? Yeah, I, I that doesn't that doesn't affect like me. Chris, Chris Paul is the head of the players union. Like how like. Okay, yeah, Chris could be a little prickly because he like really wants to win. I mean, we're the Kyrie is like orders of magnitude different. In yeah, terms I, never of said, I never said I never said they I never said they weren't different, but it's just it seems to be like you're putting a heavy like a far heavier demerit on him than Trey Young when we're hearing some similar things. And who knows, his coach might not be long for the Hawks either. And Trey Young has been in the league a lot less, has accomplished a lot less than Kyrie Irving has. And yeah, well, could it, Trey also? Uh, I mean, it, that's that's probably a, a controversial inclusion. I mean, maybe we. Should, we should talk about Trey here. I have him um, in this tier as well, but yeah, we should. Lower than yeah, you, but this, this is tier. Yeah, this is one where it's... I mean, I basically made this tier of, you know, solid all-star players. You know, that was kind of what I came, what I came up with. Um, I mean, really, I th- you know, and Kemba, to me, has, like, the lowest ceiling of this group also. I, I would know, agree with that. But he probably has, like, the highest intangibles and he can shoot it really well off the the pick and roll which is big like so so he can cause some problems for a lot of schemes i he i mean maybe he's for <laughs> the second best defensively of this group although that is uh not no, a lot of studs. I would in say. Here other I would say he's. Oh, oh, that's right. Because you have you have a different. You have a different. I was gonna say like I have Lowry and Chris Paul here, but you don't. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But but Trey. I mean, the biggest thing to me is just, especially thinking of starting a season right now. He's the biggest candidate of this group to get better. 
I, I do think that he is like a high character person who wants to win. And yeah, he's played a ball dominant style. That is, he, he was also the only person on his team who could dribble for much of this season. So that, that happens sometimes. And I, I think, you know, his offensive impact, the way he impacts other teams schemes you know is probably top five in the nba in terms of like how much teams have to change up their defense to account for him so uh, and i think he just could be an offensive engine for a lot of teams now in the playoffs going into a playoffs, you tell me that Kyrie is healthy for sure okay probably rather have Kyrie than than trey young at this point uh on most teams but i just like it's gotten to the point with Kyrie where i just there's just too many question marks right now I labeled this tier the him alone one. And the, the reason why is because well, I did that after I finished everything because everybody below this tier, I didn't feel comfortable that if he just threw them on a team, they were going to have a good offense. And to me, that's the reason why Trey Young is in this tier is that yeah. I think if you put, you know, you don't know the rest of it. You're just saying NBA caliber players at the other four positions and you say Trey Young is the point guard. I'm going to bet they're going to have a pretty good offense. And that is incredibly important in the league. And that gets you a long way. He has very specific flaws, flaws that may never be fixed. I mean, his, his defense is atrocious and probably always will be some form of bad. It could maybe get to less bad, but still bad. And but and and Trey Young, like I mean, if the shot ever goes in a little bit less, that's going to be a, a big problem. But he's a wonderful passer, great in the open court. Can and, and you know the the fact that he has done as well as he has with this kind of surrounding talent. Remember, he hasn't even played a minute with Clint Capella yet, and Capella's not this you know to use your word panacea of everything, but he will help a lot. And I think that Trey, you know, the, to me the context helps him because he hasn't had that sort of circumstance now you can also argue that the lack of a sample you know that maybe maybe a a rough year or two could end up changing that but generally to me young point guards who do well in a tough situation continue to do well and that's why you know somebody who have him next year down like i'm confident that he will move up here i just need more of a sample on it and that's john morant but let's talk about the the difference opinion i think the well here let's uh take break we're we're gonna move to russell westbrook because i was Okay, yeah, let's. Uh, that's a good, uh, good pregnant pause here. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Okay. 
let me i'll give the argument for why westbrook is here i think he in the situation that he's been in these last like three months is just playing at a unbelievable level uh transition now i i agree with you you just put him on the average team and no you're probably not gonna have an amazing offense but he does single-handedly make you a good transition team i mean if you look at houston's pace from last year to this year was like the slowest in the league and now it's one of the fastest in the league and basically just because of him so that that is something that he does by himself that really gives you a lot of juice um and i just think he was physically starting to look really really good uh he is capable of playing in a switching system even if he's not the greatest defender i'd still rather have him than say Trey Young or Kyrie Irving or Damian Lillard. I mean, Lillard is probably a, a question mark there. D- depends what kind of system. But um, and, and I think he just looked awesome getting to the rim. Like he was he was able to use the spacing that Houston was providing him to get to the basket and score on people over and over again. And he's averaging like thirty points a game on really good efficiency. So that is the argument for him. Go ahead and make the argument against him. He is among the least plug and play players in the entire league. The you you can't so. Yes, he can thrive in a very specific circumstance, and congratulations that that's great, and that there is value to that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue against it, and and, and Houston was able to to cultivate that. But think about what they had to do in order to make that happen, and most teams. Well, well, let, let me push back on that a little bit because there are plenty of centers you could find who can shoot it as well as PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker isn't. Yeah, like, but who? I but mean, who can? Like, I mean, the center. There's plenty of centers who can do that and like be on the floor defensively. And like, I mean, with Russell Westbrook, you want to play a switching system. Like the 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 constraint because you don't want him reliably standing at the point of attack defensively. So I mean, he's not the reason that they have the switching system. That's a couple other guys, but he's significantly better in that than anything else. So okay now you want a center that spaces the floor and can switch and doesn't totally suck defensively i don't think there are that many and and it has to be able to shoot because if you can't shoot then it's a big problem yeah but i think like all you need is someone who can shoot okay uh, I think, and also remember too that the Rockets for a lot of this year didn't have much shooting outside of Clint Capella either. Um, so, but, you know, and, but you're getting that at the point guard position, and that's so. Then you have to you have you're looking for shooting like you need better shooters at like the two, three, four. Yeah. It's not just like you need good shooters. And Westbrook, you know, he can he can be that engine transition. That's great. And and there's there you know selling Russell Westbrook. It's just that when you look at to me when you look at the players that we just talked about, like Kemba Walker, Trey, even to that extent Chris Paul like you don't have to move heaven and earth to make those guys succeed and with Russell Westbrook at this point this isn't Russell Westbrook three years ago or two years ago where he could be the system and and you could do what OKC did the year Russell won the MVP where okay you can play a bunch of defensive guys that are limited offensively he's going to be the usage usage sponge and take all that up that Russell Westbrook doesn't exist anymore and I, I, you know, like he couldn't do that. Yeah, he can play next to James Harden. He can do now. I just, I mean, we we even saw playing with a MVP caliber player early in this year. Westbrook wasn't good. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that was health related too. It, it was that was a contributing like, it was like a contributing factor to be sure. Well, so, but. so let me let me ask you this: like, let's say he had played at the level that he played at the last two months all season, would that have changed your your feelings on things? He'd be he'd be closer, but I still don't think I'd have him there because he, it takes 
it takes a lot to get into this top group, and he's not as reliable. And you talk about the, like, okay, how's it going to work at the higher levels? I mean, Russell Westbrook, yeah, maybe in this Houston system it'll work in the playoffs. But again, remember, we're, we're not, yeah. he doesn't get to play on his perfect system. If we're putting him in the postseason, his limitations are going to come to bear. That's what happens. Okay, well, let, let me ask you this. Let, let's let's just go through the, the teams here, and let's see, like, how many teams do you think that, like, he wouldn't work on, right? Like, I mean, most teams have enough shooting at the other positions and then they maybe have a five who can't shoot you know that that's a okay, lot well, of teams, here right? here let's do it let's do it this way i'm gonna go through the guys in the tier that i have them on and let's see let's see where you have so not in the tier that you do because even then because i think those are pretty clear well, well do, i mean is this not a useful exercise because we, we do, i, I want to see like but you know is is it really true that he doesn't fit anywhere right like let, let me get I'll, I'll just do like a sample of teams okay okay so boston Let's say you replaced Walker with him. I don't. I don't think it works nearly as well. So Tice isn't a good enough. Like Tice to me is is about the same as PJ Tucker. But then he's shooter. he's taking possessions away. He's not. He's taking in the half court. He's taking possessions away from other guys. I think it makes it makes yeah. life harder on Jason Tatum. I, I, I think. I think your best argument here is. It's he him being out there makes life harder on your other perimeter creators. Right. That that I buy more than the idea of well you have to have like that it's so hard to find Th- those a are, center that, who those can are, shoot well enough. Those that's that's like two parts of the same argument. I mean he it's hard to fit it because you can't find player because it makes life harder and you have to get better players to do it. It's if you see those as different arguments then sure. Yeah, I mean I do a little bit because it well the thought was like oh it's only working because like Houston has this crazy system and i think that's you know a daniel tice or a dwayne deadman or or like john collins if he were playing center um like throw him on the jazz like you know jazz are a good team you replace whoever you want to of their guard rotation with russell westbrook i don't think it i don't think it makes them better he's he's russell westbrook's obviously a good player but like it it just it becomes it becomes a challenge and all the other you know i mean the jazz even had to i think he'd be fine on the jazz okay because because they have shooting at all all these other positions like they're one of the best spot up shooting teams in the league they don't have it at the five okay but they still have like so you can still still run a pick and roll but then then donovan mitchell's getting marginalized so if you have to use russell westbrook in the primary action then that means donovan mitchell then you're not using donovan mitchell to his best potential like you're choosing by by putting russell westbrook in these circumstances you're choosing to take possessions away from other guys who are who i would say are better uses of that than russell westbrook because it's the same argument you've made all these times against ben simmons that if you that when he doesn't have it it's a much bigger issue and so if he's not a yeah. part of the well, main well, action, Ru- russell westbrook can score 30 points a game if you put him in the right situation we don't know that about ben simmons yeah but but you get what i'm saying is that you you with with teams that have other talent you're mar- you're sidelining that talent to give it to russell westbrook and so that can he can be he can be that guy on a certain group of teams absolutely but like i, I brought up the jazz like you, i mean would that work on the pelicans i don't think it would you know like yeah he could obviously he would help some of the bottom teams in the league for sure like that's that that's not a part of this at all necessarily but like denver you know like if, if, once we get into the, like the teams where this sort of stuff really starts to matter outside of the like oh yeah he could help the bulls a lot yeah absolutely of course yeah no i mean as you go through it okay so like minnesota he would really help them sure for sure they, um, they need a guy like i mean there are teams that teams yeah. that need a guy like him would, would benefit orlando sure even though there are flaws he would be he would give them a juice that they don't have yeah phoenix I think Booker would be a would it would it would be harder for Booker, but yeah, in the in the in the net, I think he would help. 
I have I have Westbrook yeah. above Ricky Rubio, so that's not that's not a big surprise. Yeah. So so I mean, it, it's it, I do see your point, right? Like there there are he, he is a tough fit, but then I also think that you may be underrating the magnitude of what he's able to accomplish in the right system. Yeah, maybe. Um. You know. So so this is I, I thought this was a good discussion. This is one of the the more the livelier discussions we've had in a while. Um. And believe me, if he were still playing the way that he was at the start of the year, I would have been right there with you. I would have had him like fifteenth or something. So. I just like the run that he had I I just was giving that a lot of respect I mean that that I, I thought was extremely impressive so but so we'll but see if just, that, just if, one, one more quick thing so like yeah we're let's say we had done these rankings at the end of last playoffs so la- last year you know they, they they made they lost the first round to Portland so how much are you putting on so for for reference last year Russell Westbrook 50 percent true shooting he took 7.3s per 100 possessions, made 29% of them. OKC got knocked out in the first round. He wasn't the best player on his own team. Where where, where would he have been then? Because to me, if you're saying, I, I get what you're saying at the beginning of the year, oh, you would have had Ben 15th. But would he have been in this tier then? Because then you're Well, really- no, 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 I'm talking about like... Two two months into the no, year I know, I know what you're saying, terrible. but this is what I'm pushing. I think it's even more recency bias than that because I think that you wouldn't have had him near where you do right now at the end of last season. So then it's just no, the last. Probably season. not. But yeah. but he also had to have knee surgery at the end of last year too. Yeah. I I mean I really thought like one of the things too is just a visual component that I thought he had really lost explosion and he was really struggling to finish at the rim and I thought that that has been something that's looked much much better uh, and. And I do like the transition element too. I mean, I think he takes something off the court for other players in the half court, but he brings it back on for them in transition, which I think, you know, doesn't completely alleviate that. Um, all right, we probably spent we probably spent too much time on this, but uh, yeah. So, so you guys, uh, let us know. We have Russell Westbrook too high or, or too low. Interested to to, uh, to crowdsource this one. Uh, I have him at number six in tier three. And what do you you have in the in the next group? What, I have what him in the next group. At? I have him at eleven. Okay. Um, all right. So that closes out this group for me. I mean, we talked about Lowry too. I think his his plug and play ability. I think he does have an argument, but I also think that if you're really going to have a good offense, he probably has to be your third score. Yeah, he he was the hardest for me to include in the him alone because I don't think. He he gets all the way there himself but the defensive value made it made it that he was more appropriate for me in this tier than the one below so that's why he ended up there but yeah i agree with you offensively he's not in the same caliber as the other guys so my tier four here was three guys okay Uh, low end all-star i called it and it was kyle lowry De'Aaron fox and drew holiday i thought those guys had just a little bit higher of a level of performance than the group below them that I, I considered high-end starter, which took me from 11 to 16. Um, I, how did you have, uh, I know where you had Lowry uh, and Westbrook, but Fox and Holiday, let's, let's hit on them a little bit here. My next group was 8 to 15. I kind of saw the same, a little bit of the same idea that you did, but I, I originally actually had Drew Holiday in a tier of his of his own, and then I'm like, ah, that's a little bit, pig, that's splitting hairs a little bit too much. So, yeah. so, so you're sure Kyle Lowry is better than Drew Holiday? I, I have Lowry a little bit above him, but especially considering a season that started now and Lowry's age. You feel comfortable with Lowry being significantly better than Drew Holiday? It's it's close. Like that was one of the harder distinctions that I made. Like I actually had it the other way first and then switched it back. But yeah. the but with Drew, 
I'm a little bit less confident offensively. Like his defense is, is great. I mean, I, I'm, I've been a believer in him for a long time going back to like, I used to talk to him about how he defended Steph Curry because he did such a good job on him. But one of the most important things that a point guard does is they, they are the engine for the offense. And, and Drew hasn't really, you know, he hasn't quite been that consistently over the course of his, his tenure in New Orleans. And some of that surrounding talent, you know, they dealt with all these injuries and everything else. And so, yeah. I, is he good enough to be like your second offensive option on a good offense, you think? I, 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 second or third, I think it's that, questionable to me. Yeah, I, I, I was very disappointed in what he's done offensively this season, particularly from a shooting standpoint. Um, although he's actually he's bumped up a little bit lately, he's actually up to uh 36% from three, so so he's uh he's heated up some of late, but overall 54% true shooting. I mean, and career high is 57%, basically has only been above the league average one season in his career, which was 17-18. And he's also, this is his age 29 season. It's, uh... If I felt a little bit more comfortable with him, either as a spot-up shooter or as a pick-and-roll threat, I would have had him higher. Because, I, I mean, I had him third-team All-NBA last year, and it just the offensive drop-off is just a little concerning to me. Yeah, it, it, was, it was concerning to me, too, and so that's why kind of why he ended up here for me then. Um, so the one I'm interested in, and I think it might just be me being a little late to the game, I had De'Aaron Fox firmly in this tier. I had him 12th. But I, I'm interested, so I think part of it might be for me, and I'm acknowledging this right now, is that I, w- I was thinking, I wasn't doing the whole, like, oh, if the season started right now, because he has looked really, I mean, he's been good when he's been healthy this whole year, but especially this last run before the hiatus. Yeah, since January 1st, 22 points a game, 56% true shooting. Pretty good. We saw what he could do in transition last year. That hasn't been as much the case this year, but I, I think it, in the right system, he could just be a massive difference maker well, in transition for your team here's another part of it and this is why i considered moving him higher this is a stat that i like remember i, I harped on this a lot last year with sacramento that they had a below average half court offense when darren fox was on the floor and it's like that was that was discerning disconcerting this year 75th percentile 97.5 97.5 doesn't sound great but remember half court offense is a lot less efficient so he's yeah getting, and that's getting, also that's also first just first shots no no offensive rebounds right right yeah that's that's a, a separate a separate category is cleaning the glass filter it so that's getting that's getting there and so like it wouldn't surprise me and this is maybe why i should have put him a little higher when we do this exercise a year from now if i have fox you know like maybe in in the next year up or maybe there's a split tier kind of like what you did and that he's in that but i just i again i'm a little bit sometimes i'm a little bit late with point guards and he wasn't quite there yet so i just kept him where i kept him in this tier yeah, and that's understandable. I, I'm probably a little early on him. Yeah. And I, also, just, I also wish yeah. he was more consistent defensively. He's not bad, but I, you know, like some of the other yeah. players in this group, like Drew and Bledsoe and Malcolm Brogdon. Well, Brogdon's inconsistent, but like those guys, I trust more on that end of the floor than I do with De'Aaron Fox. So you know, it was it was it was it was another thing that gave me a little bit of pause. Yeah, one concern for Fox this year: the three point percentage, only thirty one percent. And that's not fantastic. He has gotten his efficiency up to basically around the league average. I mean, I think he's taken incremental steps in this last couple of months or so. And, you know, I don't think it's necessarily been like unsustainable shooting that's got him there, noting that overall three-point percentage. So uh, I I think that the gains that he's made are sustainable. Um, Okay, one more break here. And then we'll, uh, I mean, we're not making a lot of progress. We're going to have to speed this up. We're like 40 minutes in. Or we could split it into a two-parter. Who knows? Yeah, that that'll get a lot of listens. The uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna rank the backup point guards. Honestly, now. honestly, it probably could right now. 
No, we should, we should keep going. But oh, so, man. okay, so here's, here's what's interesting. Well, well all right, here, let's, let's actually do that at Berkey first. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, so go ahead. Okay, what were so, you, uh... so, okay, so you had it, this is your 8 through 10, correct? So then you have another group yeah. that's 11 through 16? Yeah, uh, and I, I stopped really ranking them. This is kind of in order here. Uh, John Morant, number 11. I actually think that in some ways he's been underutilized this year. If you look at their clutch games and you see what he's been able to do down the end of that when they really are like, okay, no, now we're going to put it in his hands every single time. When you look at what he can do in an ISO as well, when he even just going at his own man, but then when they switch some big poor sap onto him, I mean, he can blow by anybody. He can get a pretty good shot on anybody a little concerning that the three-point shot has come down a little bit. You know, he's down now in the mid-30s after a pretty hot start to the year. The volume is not amazing. Um, but I do think, you know, he's a good free-throw shooter. He sh- shoots those deep threes. He shot him reasonably well in college. I, you know, I think he can get to the point where he, at a minimum, can prevent the defense from just going under all the time. Um, and I think he's just a magical player with the ball in his hands. I think he's going to take a massive step forward over the next year or so. And so that was a big part of this. I I think he can really be a engine of a solid offense. Um, Now they don't have a lot of shooting, which is making his life a lot more difficult, but I, I think, especially considering, you know, the, the numbers for Memphis haven't been like, oh, he's driving them to so much success when he's on the floor. Like a lot of it's been their bench too. But I mean, I just love what I see from the guy. Like, I, I think he's just going to get a lot better. And I, I think if anything, like his usage could be a lot higher. They just haven't chosen to do that yet. I, I had draw 13, so not too far off of where you had him. Um, it was a, you know, and this is a tight group. I almost, I, I wanted to try to get away with not ranking in this tier, but because yeah. it was, I only had seven above this. It was like, that, that seems like it's cheating the listeners to not. But here's a really striking John Morant stat. There are nine players, or sorry, eight, that had a a usage rate over 40% in, in clutch, you know, and enough games played this year. John Morant had the highest true shooting percentage of any of those guys. Well, and when you watch it too, it looks sustainable. Like teams are really grasping for straws as far as like how to deal with them. They'll put two on the ball. They'll lay back they're like you see like wow they don't have answers for this guy at the end of games when he's running a high pick and roll with jaron jackson or whoever the center happens to be uh or balanchunas it's like oh wow like they're going to this time after time and we can't stop it like that's what really has stood out the most to me about him and so i'd like to see more of that from them frankly I mean, 26% usage overall is, you know, it's high for a rookie point guard and consider the fact that he's been, you know, a well above average efficiency, especially for a point guard this year. That That's really impressive, but I think he could be doing even more. And, and that's, a, that's a big part of it. And it's, you know, I have him at the top of this group. The rest of this group, really, none of them are you know just high level engines some of them are more veteran they're proven in the playoffs i'm sure is going to make a ton of mistakes uh, when he first gets into the playoffs um you know they're more reliable spacing options they're better defensively all that but i think that ja when you're really talking about uh, 
comparing this group of like who is really going to drive efficient offense for his team i think he's the only one capable of doing that but because he hasn't done that at a high level yet and some of the other stuff just needs to run into form by virtue of like not being so inexperienced that's why i dropped him down into this group of some other players even though he's not really that similar to them yeah, to me, it's about overall, kind of like overall utility. And and so for me, there are a couple of guys that are in this area that I don't like nearly as much as Jaw offensively, but defensively, they, they really bring a lot to the table. Like Bledsoe, for me, is in this is in this tier too. And I don't trust Bledsoe in the playoffs. I, either, I have a lot of foibles with it, but he can he can make your system single on the other end of the floor, and he can be a complementary piece too. And like once we got below that, that tier, the him alone tier for me, you're these are all imperfect players and so that's you kind of have to weight the what they do well versus what they don't do well and the what ended up being kind of like a weird commonality of this group was there was young guys I really liked like De'Aaron Fox and John Morant and then veterans that I was a little bit unsure on so like Bledsoe and Brogdon Brogdon's is more you know he still has to prove it a little bit more I wish he'd been healthier this year all that kind of stuff and Westbrook isn't definitely firmly in that camp but then the guy who was kind of bridges those two gaps and is in some ways the hardest for me to rate of these types of players was jamal murray yeah i had murray right in in this group too so did I. uh and his three-point shooting has taken a little bit of a step back this year after being in the 37 percent range the last couple of years but he is shooting it very well from mid-range 48 percent I wonder what it would look like for him in a more open style of offense, not playing with a relative non-shooting power forward, which he does most of the time here. And Or maybe he's just kind of stagnated and he's a gunner and because he's the only perimeter shot creator that the Nuggets have a lot of the time, that he just kind of gets overrated because someone has to score the points for them. I, I'm really of two minds. I thought his playoffs last year, he had some encouraging moments, some where you know, he wasn't able to drive their offense quite enough. But So it's like, all right, is he being at, asked to do too much here? Or are we, and that if he were asked to do things differently or in a more wide open system, that we'd think more of him? Or is it possible we'd think less of him because we're overrating him just because he scores a lot on the on the Nuggets as their big perimeter score? So something I thought was interesting, I looked up the stats for, there are three guys that I had in this tier that have a dominant force also on their team. And I looked into how those teams do offensively with without that guy. So Bledsoe, 111.4 offensive rating without Giannis. Westbrook, 112.2 without Harden. Jamal Murray, 110.5 without Jokic. And there's a lot of noise involved in this in terms of who's on the floor and who isn't, everything like that. But I thought that it was, it was notable that they were, that all of them, you know, 110, 112 isn't an amazing offense, but also it's also far from terrible. And, you know, as a proxy for what would they do if it was more their show. And in, I mean, Westbrook's case, we've obviously seen it before, but so it's been a little while. And then um, in, in Jamal Murray's case, we've never really seen it but I, I thought that was kind of I, I like that those were all similar because it made me feel better about having them in the same tier and I looked it up afterwards yeah Bledsoe I think on another team could be doing more uh, as a, an offensive engine I, I think he could be doing more and he'd and also be doing worse you know kind of like what yeah, we thought about no. Russell Westbrook you know that that idea of him being with Harden but I think Bledsoe defensively is the best of this group oh, by yeah. a significant margin. He might be the second best defensive point guard in the NBA behind Drew Holiday. And I might actually, in terms of just guarding point guards, I might even rather have him than Holiday because he just gets over screens so well. And that really helps your system a lot if you're playing a, a layback system like the Bucks largely do. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to have to play better in the playoffs. His shooting really has not been encouraging this 
this year. Well, he I, could be I, I more will of a regular say, season player. This tier for me does not have a lot of high end playoff performers in it. I mean, Westbrook obviously has the best yeah. resume, but the Brogdon Brogdon has played well in the playoffs. Yeah, I think. But yeah, like he, um, he had some bright moments for the Bucks last year. Yeah, and I think like Brogdon to me, I'm surprised that he's this high. I mean, we ranked him as among shooting guards last year. But he's shown more pick and roll ability. The three pointer, as we suspected it might, has really gone down. He's in the low 30s, but he's taking so many of them off the dribble now where he used to take most of them from spot up situations. So that's not a huge surprise. He has shown some ability to create in mid range. His passing has been a lot better yeah, than expected. That, that's why the I had his numbers. And then, and we also know that he's capable of moving into a lesser role uh, on a good team. We've seen him do that in a recent vintage. So that's that's why I have him in this group. He's got a lot of versatility, not a ton of weaknesses, which is always nice. He's a, just a strong right-handed driver off a closeout. So he can actually he can go left too. I shouldn't say it's only right, but um, he, he can get to the basket. He can play pick and roll. He, he does a lot of things, maybe nothing at, a, at an elite level. But, I mean, we've seen him play at a very high level in playoff series before. I feel very comfortable with him in this group. Um, anyone in this group that you haven't mentioned yet? Yeah. Um, one guy, Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had him here as well. I think defensively he competes pretty well, especially when he's not the only guy on his team who can dribble. Uh, his shooting this year is troubling, but I don't think there's anything wrong with this shot. I think yeah, he just be hasn't he gone takes, in as much this year. Yeah, and he takes a lot of difficult off the dribble attempts. I thought that his he, he had some moments in the playoffs last year. He also had some ugly games, but he was able to get to the basket. Um, I would like to see him in a different system than the Nets. We haven't seen that yet, but... Uh, I, I think he's when you consider the lack of weapons around him that he, he's been able to drive the Nets to reasonable performances when he's been out there and then I did add one more player into this group and that was Shea Gilgis Alexander I had him at number 15 Dinwiddie at number 16 uh we also haven't seen Shea as the main engine right as a pick and roll That's guy part of but, why I didn't have him here but I, yeah. I I respect that I considered it as well I think his shooting has taken a step forward. He's also quite young. He's got a lot of length, good physical potential, you know, one of the better defenders in this group, and I think he's going to continue to improve there as he gets stronger. He might have some switchability. My concern with him is the vision and the ability to put pressure on the rim and force double teams, but he's also his ability to create shots from three-point range and the mid-range. You know, I didn't see that coming for him at all as a prospect. I was really worried about his overall shooting ability, and I no longer am. I think he's taken, he, he's done enough there where I think he's another guy who can really become a part of this group that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. And he just, he, he doesn't make mistakes really. He just plays older than than his age. His coaches just rave about him. So I, I think, especially with the season starting today, I, I would feel very comfortable with him uh, in this group as a starting point guard uh, and even on, on a playoff team. I think he can be pretty good. My, my toughest omission in this group was not Shea, though. He was a tough one, too. It was Fred Van Vliet. I'm, yes. Van Vliet has done, he's done a great job in Toronto this year, a lot more on his shoulders without without Kawhi there. And because all the injuries with that team, he had. there were times when he and Siakam had to do a lot more. And, and, and Fred Van Vliet did a nice job of it. And defensively, his, his tool, you know, he gets after it. I mean, we saw what he did in, against Steph Curry in the playoffs last year. But I just, I'm just not all the way there yet on him as an offensive player. And it... Again, one of those guys who is a lot better in certain circumstances than others, and I wonder what his free agency is going to hold, not only in terms of what his contract value is, but what kind of a situation we, we get to see him in next year. Very well, it could be another another run in Toronto, and that would be great. I, I'd support that. I, I love Van Vliet where he is. But 
I'm I'm not as confident that that would work as some of the other guys, which is why I left him down here. But I feel a little bit badly about it. Yeah, his 43% shooting from two it's a problem. Is, is concerning. But I mean, his absolute bulldog mentality defensively, his strength, deep three-point shooting. I mean, we did see him get overwhelmed a little bit physically in that Philly series. Although how much of that was just, okay, he missed shots in that one and then he made shots in the Bucks series. That, that's tough to say. But he's a, a proven playoff performer at this time. Definitely a winning player. I just need like a little bit more juice as a ball handler to get him up there with the, the rest of these players. I, I think all, all of those and have shown just more ability to get to the basket and to create their own offense certainly van vliet can fit in on every team but this is but he's getting to the point where you talk about it, it's like okay if he's your point guard now you need someone else to be the main guy you know you need a siakam you need a lowry uh, uh, against as in your starting lineup whereas you know spencer dinwiddie if he's your point guard you can have an average offense with him as your main pick and roll threat i don't think you can do that with Van Vliet, uh, but he, he was certainly at the top of my solid starters tier, which uh, was uh, a mere four players, actually. I got a lot of tiers this time. Yeah, I ended up folding two tiers together, but there is functionally, I could have just made this two different ones. Um, so I, one guy I'm surprised you haven't mentioned yet because you've been a little higher on his season than I have is Mike Conley. Um, so he's in this group to me of the solid starters. It's tough to know what to make of him. The hamstring injury kept him out a while. The transition to Utah. I mean, I think he's he looks okay to me still. I'd like to see if he had more reps, what he would look like still if you if you just ran him back in more of the role that he had in Memphis. Defensively, he's a little undersized. He slips some there to be sure, but he still tries. He's still another great vet, great character guy. Um, you know, I mean, I think if you just look at how he's handled this difficult season in utah i think it's it's pretty clear that that's the case that he can fit into a lot of situations so yeah i had him in the the 17 through 20 group ricky rubio was also there he's in uh, mine. he would have been lower for me before this last year i mean he's just been a massive difference maker for the suns on both ends and just all the bullshit that he does the taking a charge on a guy rolling to the basket after a pick and roll i mean all, all that crap which i absolutely can't stand watching between him lowry and chris paul i mean it's a there's those guys make like five plays a game where you're just like shaking your head but i mean god what i would give to see chris paul do a rip through move right now though danny (laughs) (laughs) i mean we're we're in desperate straits here i I talked to you i talked to you about this on g chat but like i I started watching draft film today and i was just i just started beaming because it was like oh my god i'm watching actual basketball (laughs) It was, it was so exciting. Uh, so I'll go through. So I ended up, while we were having this conversation, I realized that I should split this tier. Um, and I ended up just moving the, the guys that I was shaking on. I just moved them down. It doesn't make that much of a difference. So my group here, Van Vliet, Conley, Shea, Rubio. We've already discussed all those guys. The other two players I have here... Patrick Beverly, wonderful at, at the role that the Clippers have him in, but if you had to ask him to like run the offense, I think it'd be a big problem. He's just he hasn't had to be that guy for a while, but I also don't think he can be. And then the last guy is and I I, I wondered whether I should have him here or a tier below, but I thought this was more appropriate, our good friend D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned Beverly. I've got him no, more in the 25 to 35 range as a low-end starter. Uh, I think it, big time concerns about his ability to stay healthy. Sure. And, uh, you know, he he and George Hill, I had kind of in the same group. Uh, but the, the, that, that was a, the low-end starter is an interesting group. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll table that for a little bit here. 
So I had my solid starters tier, which is 17 to 20. And then I had the limited to offense tier, which was 21 through 24. And that was D'Angelo Russell, Derek Rose, Goran Dragic, and Devontae Graham. Those those were Dragic, Rose, and Graham were the three guys that I moved out of my my solid starter tier into the one below. So that's kind of creepy. <laughs> we're just hive-minded on that, I guess. I didn't think you'd have Dragic that high. I thought I was the only one who still believed. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's, like, still wearing the knee brace and he seems kind of limited to 25 minutes a game, but, like, he and Rose, to me, are are very similar injury risk kind of guys, but really who are capable of doing a lot for you as a a backup point guard who, uh, on a lot of teams, they're kind of, they'd be the best point guard, they'd close games, but maybe they don't start it for you just because you're trying to keep their minutes down. And then you're, like, frantically Um, looking for an upgrade and just realize you can't find one. Yeah, yeah, and, and... Russell, Devontae Graham, Russell just so, so bad defensively. Maybe he's going to break out in Minnesota and well, see, the, uh, the, change, the defensive but. limitations bothered me, but not as much as the idea that he only does certain things offensively. And right. that, and that he doesn't. That once you get him outside of that comfort zone, the not only his efficiency as a scorer, but more importantly, like he's just not as effective as a creator. He's not generating as much tension. He's not creating the separation that makes his passing sing. And we saw some of that for Golden State this year. Fortunately, when Tucker Anthony Towns is available to play, I think that the Wolves will mask a lot of that. But again, most teams don't have Carl Anthony Towns at center. Yeah, and Russell, you know, he gets up a crazy number of three-pointers, 10.7 per 36 minutes, and he shoots 37% on him. And by contrast, Damian Lillard, although he's actually at 39% this year. Wow, that's that's nasty. Uh, But he shoots more three-point attempts for 36 minutes than Damian Lillard. And Lillard's career is about the same, but Lillard just completely bends your defense in in a way that Russell doesn't because they just feel like they can contain Russell. He doesn't force you really to double. And maybe if he's just absolutely on fire, you might start double teaming him at the point of attack. But I thought it was telling that for all of his individual fireworks that he the Warriors really weren't that much better offensively with him on the floor and they had nobody else on the team for a large large portion of the year and they still weren't that much better and, and they didn't and, and they didn't have other people like good people backing him up like it's not a circumstance like the you know sometimes there are those teams that have bad starters and decent backups and then it ends up being that the starters like rpm and all that stuff gets tanked because they're playing against better teams the Warriors didn't have anybody on their bench but their offense was still fine 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 and and, and it's it's become very clear what a negative defensive player he is i mean he he is he is one of those remember how much crap we were getting about that like two years ago um so yeah, I feel comfortable with Russell in this group, and this is why I don't feel comfortable with him on a max contract. So I didn't mention, though, one other player in my tier six of solid starters, and that was John Wall. I put him at number 20. I had him in the next tier, but I thought about putting him here. That was that was one of those complicated to place guys. And I will say this as I've gone back and looked at it, I probably have overall rated some of these injury absence guys too high. Like last year in the center rankings, I had DeMarcus Cousins still at like number nine, and he coincidentally was coming off a torn Achilles. And Wall, though, I, I I mean, he was still pretty good before he got hurt. He is hard to build around, though, because you can go under on him on pick and roll. He doesn't shoot it very well. I mean, he's had a lot of time to work on his shooting. Maybe that'll be slightly better, but uh, he doesn't shoot it very well. 
so he can't really play off the ball well his defense had really slipped and my hope would be especially after so long off that he could come back and you know get like his knees right as well i mean that was a the health risk is too high yeah i mean i guess i'm gonna move him down actually into the low end starter group i I think there's just too many question marks about him both in terms of performance and health so um i'm hopeful that he'll be better than this i mean the reality is probably either you know he's going to be kind of an average point guard or he's just going to be like not playing or just like absolutely terrible like i see it's going to be probably one of those two things rather than that you know he's going to be like the 25th best starting point guard in basketball and just right at that number but i'll split the difference between those my next tier, I, what I called it was high-end rotation fringe starter. So it was yeah. it was players that you'd probably rather have coming off your bench, but because we're talking 22 to 33, a lot of them do end up starting. Um, we've already gotten to Dragic, Rose, Graham, the, those, and John Wall. We've already talked about in this tier, but I'll just run through the rest of them. I don't think we need to spend as much time on this group. Lonzo Ball, DeJounte Murray, Seth Curry, George Hill, Derek White, Jalen Brunson, Chris Dunn, Patty Mills. Yeah, Seth Curry was weird. I think even last year, I, he might just need to be moved to shooting guard at this point. Um, we probably should have done that. Yeah, but uh, I thought this was I thought this wasn't, I I thought this wasn't it, appropriate place to put him enough. So yeah, no, I mean, it, it, but he just I think he basically played shooting guard last year in Portland. I mean, he was the point guard in terms of like who he was guarding and he was the point guard size guy out there but and he basically has played only shooting guard this year for the Mavs uh, I think he played pretty much shooting guard offensively for the Blazers last year so I, I think he, we should probably move him but I, I guess if we got to rank him that I would have him in that group as well uh someone I think is still very underrated to me is Patty Mills oh absolutely like to me and pop has never started him for whatever reason i don't know if he thinks he can't play that many minutes or he just has always liked him coming off the bench and he's just comfortable with that but mills have you know he's been one of the few players who's been in the black in terms of net rating for the spurs this year shoots a crazy number of threes when he's out there he's got a lot of off ball ability he can shoot it off the pick and roll some as well he at least tries defensively he started to slip on that end as his physical tools have waned and he was never you know some great stud athletically but he just his movement and understanding of how to play he gives you so much offensive pace in the half court which i really like about him and he certainly needs another pick and roll threat to play with but i think he's a really really good player i do too and i i, w- I hope that it, i mean we're a little bit later in his career I, I would love to see him get that opportunity also mentioned around here uh dennis Schroeder. should we talk about him a little bit he was he was in the in this 24 to 35 group for me i had him a little bit below that and it wow just for me the most important thing that a point guard could i think that he he's put in the perfect situation in okc because the things that he doesn't have to do he doesn't have to run the offense the okc offense has been a disaster when he has to do that and then he doesn't have to be like a a real like he doesn't have to take on super tough defensive assignments. He's the third best defensive guard in that three-man lineup. And so, yeah, if you could guarantee me that he's going to get to be the number three, like the, be a scorer, be like kind of that that school, off-ball scorer, and then defend an easy assignment, then I'd move him higher. But most teams don't have that luxury. Yeah, and this is the first year that he really has been remotely affected by the on-off stuff. And as you mentioned, you know that's occurred playing next to one and sometimes two point guards that they've been so effective. And I think he's gotten better defensively. He has, but he's but he still is. You know, he weighs about a buck eighty. Um, so yeah, I, I had him down there. You had him kind of more in like the mid thirties. I didn't. I stopped. My, it, my tier is it's thirty four to fifty. But like for okay. me. 
like it, for example, like if we're gonna pair Schroeder and Patty Mills, like uh, to me that's in, that's yeah, that's too, I'd rather have Patty Mills. And and to me that's it's not even that tough a decision. Now you can make an argument like Schroeder versus Chris Dunn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are yeah. many teams that I would prefer to have Schroeder on because Chris Dunn is you know he's such a huge defensive positive and such a huge offensive negative. But the idea that you could I, I like having a guy like Chris Dunn on my team because then it, you know not every team but you know to have somebody who just is a tenacious tenacious guard defensively is is it's a valuable skill and you know like DeJounte I'm still not sold on his offense but he's still a talented defensive player Derek White I, I wonder where where his game is going to go I, I've had high hopes for him especially after those couple of strong games in last year's playoffs but he just never really put it all the way together for me this year so like San Antonio had three guys I had an 11 player tier San Antonio had three of them yeah, and White's shooting it a little bit more from three this season. He's been efficient. The defense hasn't popped as much this year. Yeah, but it's for me, it's um, more just him yeah. as a creator. I think that's been the biggest thing. Is yeah, that, you know, he when he it's been his show. It has the Spurs offense hasn't been great, and there are a lot there. It's not like the surrounding talent is amazing in some of those minutes, but you know, he he Fatty Mills has done a pretty good job, and and it's not like their talent is perfect in those minutes either. Yeah, he's shown some growth as a pick and roll player that that deserves to be acknowledged sure. a, a lot of that i think has been with unsustainable jump shooting off the dribble but yeah you know is he a primary pick and roll threat i don't know he's he's i, I mean i could very easily see him if he just takes incremental steps forward in his three-point shooting and three-point attempt rate and his ability to distribute off the dribble he could become a very valuable player and he could shoot up into the teens absolutely very easily for me next year but you know he's also this is age 25 season you know i don't i'm not expecting massive leaps from him and 18 you know, usage for uh, uh, to be below average in usage for most backup point guards a little bit, gonna be a little bit higher than that if they're running things except and george not, hill so yeah <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I had him more in the solid backup group as of now, maybe someone that I should move up. Um, but you know, he's kind of like a weird hybrid player too. I'm not even sure that he, he counts as a point guard did, right did, now. Did you have Jalen Brunson in this tier? No, I just had him down in, in the solid backup group. Uh, I, li- I like him a little bit more. Range. Isn't he a Chicago point yeah. guard? Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He, he, might... he is a Chicago I, I don't think, guard. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think you lose your card over being lower on Jalen Brunson than me. Yeah. I, I earned my Chicago cred with the with the double dunk story. That's uh that 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 is a legendary Chicago high school basketball story, which I, I did actually tweet out proof of that. Two separate articles. <laughs> and nobody sent uh, me the video of the Ariza dunk yet. I'll look I'll yeah. look at some point in my life. You, you gotta just email. Uh, uh, the like UCLA like sports and information. Yeah, I probably should. Um, they, they've, they, I mean, they have, I, they, they, may, have uh, they have time now. Yeah, sadly. Um, uh, a few other guys to talk about. Marco Fultz. Yeah, I have him in my the next tier down. Yeah, so you don't see him as a as a starter. Nope. Yeah, it is. I like. Wait, wait. Tough. Can I mention one thing that's funny with him? Yeah. I have him in the same tier with Alfred Prayton and DJ Augustine, so it's kind of like the magic ghosts of point guards past, sort of present and future. I would give Fultz a little bit more just based on, on how young he is. I think he can push it pretty hard in transition, which helps. I, I think if there were, and defensively, I like him. He he and Derek White have some similarities, actually. Yeah, I just trust White a little bit more at this point. Yeah, what White is uh, is a better shooter. Yep, certainly. I mean that that's that's the question. I mean, Fultz, we'll see. Actually, maybe this hiatus will will be good for him to continue to work on his jump shot and and try to because I mean his form. He's like, okay, I found something that I can shoot with and not embarrass myself from three point range. But I mean, he still needs to do some uh, a lot more work on that to to get it back to where it's actually going to be a weapon. Um, let's see. 
see who else haven't we talked about george hill was in this low-end starter group it was tough because i think he actually is more valuable on a per play basis and hate plays at a higher level than a lot of these guys are talking about and i mean that 67 percent true shooting i don't know if, if you heard that that's pretty good <laughs> this year but he's also 33 20 minutes a game low usage it's, it's yeah it's 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 tough to and, and he did pick things up in the playoffs last year but then the year before that in cleveland he didn't do much uh but I mean, I, he's done this for long enough now that I'm starting to believe that again, he, he's still a, a quality player. I mean, he just had that weird lull of about a year and a half. And but injuries could catch up to him as well. I mean, he had that toe issue, groin issue last year. So with all that, I think if he could do it for longer, he'd be probably you know up in the in the low teens for me. But that's just not the case right now. Uh, Terry Rozier? No, <laughs> I didn't rank him at all. Uh, no, I mean, to me, he's he's still in the low-end starter group. Oh, I am not there. Well, okay. Yeah, as your primary pick-and-roll threat, absolutely not. But he shot it very well this year from three. Yeah, but it's as a, you know, like, as a secondary, as, as a secondary guy when... I, I, like, I, if you put him back on a playoff team, you know, let's say you, you either started him next to another threat at another position, or you bring him off the bench, he can defend, he can rebound, he's got pretty decent size if you need him to switch in a pinch, you know, he has playoff experience, and he can shoot it pretty well, so I think all that... I realize that you know we think he he's overpaid and no he's he's miscast as a starting point guard he's not a good enough pick and roll player for that but and he's a limited finisher but I think playing next to the right kind of threats I think he could be pretty effective still and you're talking about in the 30s I, I would absolutely be totally happy to have him uh as like a third guard off the bench in a playoff team I think he'd be totally good for that yeah um, one guy we haven't discussed. We haven't discussed. <laughs> I, I think I think the the uh, the the Westbrook argument took it all out of you. Now now you're just like you're you're no, down I, to like one word argument. I don't think I don't think having a five minute argument about Terry Rozier is a good use <laughs> of my time. Yeah, as much as I as much as I don't value my time right now. But one guy I do want to discuss because he is starting right now for Chicago is, is Tomas Sadoransky, and I had him outside of that twenty two to thirty three group. Because I, I just don't think that he does enough of the positive elements, and he's more of a complimentary guy. And so, yeah, happy to have him in the rotation, but not in that not in that group to me with the guys like George Hill and I ended up with Wall in this yeah. year and all that. The the hope was that he could increase his three point volume and stay efficient. That hasn't happened. Only three point eight per thirty six minutes. He hasn't even really increased his volume that much, frankly. And then down to thirty two percent, where he'd been high thirties, think even over forty percent a couple of years in Washington. And I think he he really is best as a pick and roll player. And we've seen that at the international level. I think he could be kind of like a Rubio light in some ways if he got the ball more. But he's really been asked to play off the ball most of his career. And, and as we've seen, you know that doesn't work that well for him. Um, what about uh, Kobe White recently? elevated into the into the starting lineup here he he could absolutely be in that 22 to 33 group for me next year i just didn't see quite enough yet so i had i had him in this group i'd like him in a rotation but i just don't have him in the like fringe starter group yet yeah i have him in the solid backup group i mean he's his distribution has gotten better and he's been scoring a lot but that's because zach levine has been out and and he's getting the shots yeah he hasn't been incredibly efficient uh i do think he competes defensively so 
yeah if you want to look at his overall body of work 50 percent true shooting usage in the 20s the mid 20s that's that's a damaging player but i think he's come on lately and certainly as your primary shot creator on the second unit yeah he's gonna be a little bit less efficient but he at least can do it for you you have a theory of what you're going to do and he's only 19 so i think uh, over the next year or so we could see some big growth from him And, and i just i just like i think just in terms of like the separation that he's able to create his quick release uh his transition game like i i like what i see just watching him as well it's a reason to believe he's gonna be better anybody else that really like you're fired up to talk about well, here or I, I should think, we wrap up i think we should mention i should mention that i have do have colin sexton in this in this uh solid backup tier i think that he, he he's yeah. a little bit miscast right now on the Cavs, um because and especially i'm still low on him as a creator for other people but he has made real strides this year and i think that you know being here for compared to where he was last year is a meaningful step no i agree and, and he's another guy who would probably be more cast uh, as a, you mentioned uh, as a score off the bench yeah i mean uh, last year i went all the way down to uh guys who would actually hurt most teams <laughs> i did not get that far um and so last year the the people who were in that was sexton schroeder who to his credit has moved out of that Dennis Smith, who, uh, yes, not- he would he would be the absolute last-ranked point guard in the NBA right now. Rondo. Rondo's been slightly better than I expected this year sometimes, but I still think he, he overall hurts the team. Alfred Payton, I think, has moved out of that t- category. Isaiah Thomas, yeah, I mean, he's not even in the league anymore now. Um, and he actually had probably some unsustainable shooting. And Emmanuel Moutier actually got a little bit better, too. So it is it is possible to improve here. Uh, Moutier was kind of, I know he's not playing now in Utah, but I thought he actually was fine uh, when he did play. So, uh, I think, yeah. All right. This is, is, are are we good here? Do we have have more to say? No, I mean, I'll I'll just mention briefly a couple of people that I I think fans care about. I have in this solid backup tier. I have Alex Caruso here. I have Kendrick Nunn here. Um, Alfred Payton. Yeah. None, none was an interesting one. And also just a question of whether he's a a point guard or a shooting guard. Right. But But just to have, if you you put a guy like that in your rotation, I think you're fine with it. And I wouldn't necessarily want to elevate them beyond that in most circumstances. You know, that doesn't mean every situation is, is a failure or anything like that. I mean, he's doing well none's doing well for miami but in the yeah. overall circumstance i think this is the appropriate spot for him. yeah yeah kind of in the the early 30s is about where i had him as well uh dale and Wright i also yep. had in in that group uh, and i think i've mentioned now ever we've mentioned at least everyone that i had in, in kind of that low-end starter group darius garland is just i mean he's definitely one of the would hurt most teams right. category and i do think that point guards just due to the nature of their position they if you have a bad one, it can do more damage to you than maybe any other position. I would agree with that because they have I, I mean, because they he, have the yeah. ball in their hands a lot, and so if they can't do what they're right. supposed to do, then that's a big problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brad Wanamaker, I think he really benefits. He's a solid defensive point guard, but doesn't take enough threes. Doesn't really do much offensively, but he has the benefit of playing next to all of the Celtics wing ball handlers, and so I think yeah, people might be like, "Hey, he's a backup point guard on like a good team." How are you not talking about? I think he's he's more limited than that would suggest yeah tatum's doing a lot of the lifting in some of those lineups exactly uh aaron holiday just not efficient enough yet uh, has to take a step forward his defense has gotten a little better Corey joseph Oof. would have been in the solid backup group last year but he's just become uh unacceptably bad offensively at this point and i think that's everyone everyone else that i really wanted to talk yeah, about. yeah i have I mean, a few joseph, i have a few others yeah. here but i don't need to i don't think we need to go through all that Alex Caruso? I, I I just mentioned yeah I mentioned him with none um yeah yeah okay um here I'll, I'll actually fine I'll go through the rest of the guys that I have in this tier just briefly Jeff Teague 
had a had a challenging year, but I'd still have him in the rotation. Um, Reggie Jackson. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. DJ Augustine, right. Michael Carter Williams, Tyus Jones, Monte Morris, and and my last one, kind of. A, I I've just been a believer in Shabazz Napier more than other people, and plus I get to pronounce it. Well, not more than me. I mean, I I, I definitely had him in the solid. Oh, okay, because you hadn't mentioned him, so yeah. I wasn't sure. I I just I, th- yeah. I think he, you know you throw him on a team. He's been bounced around a little bit too much. I thought that the Warriors having to dump him in the in the hard capness of the d'angelo russell thing was actually like it actually did hurt them materially but i mean he, he and i thought he helped out the wizards all right that's gonna be it for today i hope you guys enjoyed that one we'll uh, get you into the weekend and we'll be back on sunday night oh, yeah i've come forward to mention that if you want something else to listen to this weekend uh i real jam radio with sam Vicini. uh we did draft stuff not only kind of what's going on with the draft which was a fascinating conversation because it's such a weird circumstance but also we went through argument basically the best case scenario arguments for the top 10 players on his mock draft yeah so did you find anyone who's gonna be a starter <laughs> all right i'm trying to sell uh, people on the podcast nate <laughs> uh so yeah we'll be back on sunday john hollinger and i'll be back on sunday as well our plan is to do a bracket of the worst teams of the decade facing off against one another the loser then advances to the next round so we are going to try and crown a worst team of the decade that'll be interesting so uh, looking forward to that i thought john would be uh, an excellent partner for that one and uh, as always stay safe out there and we'll talk to you all in a couple of days BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.